Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey team, just Dave here at the top of the episode to tell you what you're about to listen to was recorded live in London just a couple of weeks ago now. The third last show of our UK tour. If you're obsessed with putting things in order, this was actually the one recorded in the afternoon uh, before our Christmas episode that we put out last week. So thank you so much to everyone that came along to those, packed out both London shows, some of the best times I've ever had doing a podcast live on the stage. Um, I'm just going to put a note at the top here that there is a middle section where Matt goes and joins the audience as he often does and then there's a, a bit of a strange thing. I'm sure it will come across in the recording, but just so you know, there was a lady in the audience who could not get over the fact that Matt looked a lot like her brother. Yes, that is as bizarre as it sounds. And I was told that this lady talked throughout the entire show, so I apologise to everyone that we tried our best to try and take control of the situation, and I hope you can hear that there. We were quite perplexed. But apart from that, I think this is a really, really fun episode. It's a fascinating topic about a uh, guy with a really interesting life. I won't give it away just in case you haven't read who it's about. But uh, please enjoy this episode, our second last one for the year, I believe, that we'll be putting out, but we won't be taking a break over December or January. We're powering right through, so don't worry about that. Uh, Yeah, enjoy the episode, and I'll be back at the end with a few of our Patreon reads. (laughs) I did not need to pause there. Love you guys. Speak to you soon. Bye. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 229 The Venue. How you doing out there? All right, cheer now if you're ready to podcast. Cheer now if your name is Greg. Oh my God, Greg didn't turn up. The show has been cancelled. No, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out. Could you please put your hands together and welcome to the stage all the way from Melbourne, Australia. It's Do Go On! 
so so much for coming out and thank you so much to Jess Perkins for closing the curtain I appreciate that a true professional oh, by the way let's give it up for Jess and Matt Jess and Matt I was going to say uh, Matt Stewart there but uh, didn't give him the benefit of the last name you know who he is hi Matt I'm Matt Stewart <laughs> this is a, this is uh, a hazard hi. yeah hi <laughs> and hi, hi to you as well <laughs> Uh, who's ready for the uh, stage dive part of the evening? <laughs> I'm aiming for you. <laughs> he looks strong. He Which looks one? Strong. Who? Who are we looking for? Hello. Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, catch me. as soon as you said hello, I downgraded that strength. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hello! This big tough man will catch me. Yeah. Hi! No. <laughs> no. We'll all plunge to our death. Um, hello, everyone. Hi, hi. How's, how are you doing up the back? Just making sure you could hear me. All good. You're a very polite crowd. I think it's because it's 5pm. <laughs> you wouldn't know that because the sun set about seven hours ago. It's a dark place. Yeah, what the fuck is this place? <laughs> What's going on here? It's, it's summer at home. It's crazy. 37 degrees tomorrow in Melbourne, yeah. it is. Yeah, that is too hot. You're right. We are happy to be away from that. <laughs> London's sick though. I, I accidentally walked across a ruins today. You got so many ruins, you can just stumble upon them. There was a man, I, I looked up and a man was walking his dog across it. It took a piss on <laughs> King on Edward III's house. You don't give a fuck. Oh, we got lots of kings, no worries. That's just one from the 1300s. Anyway, it's, um, it's I couldn't believe it. Honestly, that dog took a piss on your, and you don't care. Imagine if it was a corgi taking a piss on your current monarch. That probably happens daily. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those things. I don't like dogs. Oh. Who's with me? <laughs> what? Sorry, what? This has been a debate that's been happening between these two for the entire two weeks. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I, I got a puppy and it makes me a better person than him, so... So, so. It makes him a stinkier person. <laughs> now, nah, good on dogs. Well, I think they've all done. A, they've all got their part to play. <laughs> Just do it away from my house. <laughs> and Edward the Third's house. Yeah. Yeah. Respect houses. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's dumb. Dave, start the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight here in London. What an absolute pleasure it is to be back at Two Two Nine, the venue. Uh, give me a round of applause if you've ever heard our show. Do go on before. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic, love that. <laughs> Why do I feel like they're ganging up on me? I even dressed like that today. <laughs> oh, I'm sad. <laughs> wow, that Not was true. <laughs> very happy. Shut up, sad man. Uh, other end of the scale, give me a round of applause if you've never heard our show before. <laughs> Mate, I think it's just you tonight. And one in the front, okay. thank you so much. I've never seen someone as proud as, as that. Great to have you in. Have you been dragged along? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any idea what this show is? No. Absolutely not. Fantastic. What um, do you think of it so far? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a show called Dog Debate. <laughs> Where do you stand? On the... Uh, on the dog. On the dog. You st- <laughs> get, wow. Sounds like you're on Team Matt then. Get off the dog. That's a third position. <laughs> <laughs> on the dog <laughs> not with the dog <laughs> well great to have you here nonetheless dog killer and um, uh, what we do here at the show is uh, we take it in turns to report on a topic usually suggested by a listener and tonight it is my turn to report on a topic <laughs> thank you kindly thank you so much supportive cheers to you hurtful to us but... yeah. <laughs> no nobody said thank god <laughs> out loud um, <laughs> But we all thought it. And uh, we always start with a question to get us on to topic. And I have a question for Matt and Jess. And if they can't get it, we will throw it over to you, the audience. Okay. But I've got high hopes for you guys tonight. Thank you. My question is, the life of which man combines three of our favourite types of topic? Did he say ma'am? <laughs> Did he? I don't... Look, I'm a, you've, you've already interrupted. You will, this is your answer. What is it? <laughs> this is it. You only get one chance. Did he say ma'am? Man. Man. <laughs> yes. We've been which, here so long we which can't... Which man? What, t- tell me everything you've said so far again. Okay. <clears throat> I'll get the, this. The life of which man, M-A-N, okay. combines three of our favourite types of topic. Hollywood, music, and World War II badassery. Uh, uh, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. <laughs> He's old. <laughs> they, they are very old. Yeah. Okay. S- still? Or they? Oh, it's the baddie boo ba da ba doo ba dee ba dee boo. <laughs> that band, the Chugawaka Chugis. No, it is. Remember, the life of which man? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. New info. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I should have led with that faction. <laughs> I stand by Matt's original answer. Colonel Sanders? No. He doesn't really do any of those. <laughs> but he was a man, was he? Yes. Okay. Uh, does anyone know? Christopher Lee. Oh. It is Christopher Lee! Oh. Well done. This, is, this has been suggested a lot, a I lot. think. A lot. Yeah, because he was a vampire or something? <clears throat> oh. oh, yeah. Uh, he's uh, been suggested by 18 people. Whoa. Uh, I'm going to read out their names real quick here, just in case any of you are in tonight. Uh, thanks so much for suggesting this. If your name is uh, Kerid Wen from Western Australia, Pete Jopson from Accrington here in the UK, Michael Berenzi from New York, Sam Lillis from Sydney, Justin Godley from Canada, Nicholas Columbus Flanders Farmer. I bet he's in tonight. Are you in? From WA, Fraser Green from Canada, Johnny Dawson from Leicester. Nope, not here. Okay, fair enough. Brent Carpenter from Barnstaple in North Devon. Uh, you know what? Are you telling me that that is... You've combined the word barn and the word staple and then come up with a completely new... Me- new- what, it, what is it? Bonschwapple. Okay. Okay, that's Sorry. done. Let me go again. Uh, Brent Carpenter from Barn Shruple, um <laughs> in North Devon. Well, you know, at least uh, he knows how to do a scone right. Cream first. A scone. A scone. You'll get... Devon. Ah, Devon. All right, calm down. It is scone, right? It's scone. Who fucking cares? 
They cared in Dublin, actually. They cared. Uh, I they cared a lot. It's the score that's Scottish. <laughs> it is kind know. of funny that you've gone, who cares, when you were the one who corrected me. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to get mobbed. <laughs> we're really outnumbered. Uh, I can not... take, like, 200 <laughs> of them, and then you guys are on your own. Do you reckon they'd mob over scones? Mob, sorry, mob over, over scones. Uh, just over halfway through this list, guys, so. <laughs> Devin we... Bruns from Cedar Rapids, Sean Gallagher from Mokina. Yeah, no correction there, alright. Susie Odorico from Hervey Bay in Queensland, James Rampant from Victoria, Mr. L.H. Jones from Wrexham, Will Hudson from Essex. Why are you doing this? John well... Collins from Ireland. Jay Swan the third. I'm just making them up now. You and just wanted to say the Flanders one. I did. And also Adam Knight from Croydon in South London. Are you here? Are you here? Yes! <laughs> worth it. Absolutely worth it. Yes. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, what you don't know is I paid that man 20 pounds to pretend to be. So. All right. So do you know anything about Christopher Lee apart from the vampire stuff? Uh, I was in... Some sort of star, one of the star movies, Track or Wars? No? Fuck. Yeah, yeah, one of those is right. Jess, any info on? Yeah, yeah, heaps, but I mean, you'll get to it anyway. So. All right, thank you. Hate thank to you. step on in your toes there. So, um, yep. All right, well, Christopher Lee was born on the 27th of May, 1922 in Bel... Thank you so much. I thought that you were interrupting because I'd mispronounced 1922. <laughs> uh, he was born in Belgravia, a well-to-do suburb here in London, less than three miles from this venue. Oh. There you go. Uh, he was the son of Lieutenant Colonel Geoffrey Trollope Lee. <laughs> That's a fun name. And uh, Countess Estelle Mary, who came from the historically powerful Italian... Caradini family. Uh, she was a former Chanel model and was painted and sculpted by multiple artists. A bit of a muse. Referred to as an Edwardian beauty. She just had a really boxy head. It was a lot easier. Yeah. To... <laughs> it's a lot easier to sculpt. She's got a perfectly square head. <laughs> ah, done. Great. Uh, she could trace her lineage back to Charlemagne, who ruled most of Western Europe in the 700s. So Christopher Lee was related to the first Holy Roman Emperor. This man, with an extraordinary background, would have an extraordinary life, and his childhood and early years would really influence his acting throughout his life. He's a method actor. Yes. Mm. He lived through some weird stuff, <laughs> which I'm going to tell you about. Uh, his parents separated when he was four and divorced two years later, and he lived for a time in Switzerland. Made any connection to... Ah, yes. Um, some of you here might know that I'm one... What are, what are we up to? Sixteenth. One sixteenth Swiss Italian, and uh, so I'm probably related as well. It's actually one quarter, but Dave's really trying to water it down. I'm actually quite diverse in myself. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to offer any grants... Um, yeah, it's about time that a guy who's a few different kinds of white got a leg up. <laughs> <laughs> so he lived for Switzerland for a time. 
Uh, before his mother, the Countess Estelle, married Harcourt George St. Croix Rose, who was the uncle of a little-known writer called Ian Fleming. So Ian Fleming, the man that would go on to create James Bond, was uh, Lee's step-cousin. Okay. okay. What does that mean? I feel like you wouldn't care unless Ian Fleming went on to be famous, you know? Did Ian Fleming go on to be famous? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Uh, his mother mixed with some exotic and exciting characters throughout his childhood. And this is Lee recalling meeting some people when he was younger. Quote, when I was a small boy, I was hauled out of bed by my mother in our home in Kensington, saying, come downstairs and I'll introduce you to two men who are here for dinner. She told me, you probably won't remember what they look like, but one day you'll remember that you met them. And he would remember them. The men were both Russian aristocrats, Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich and Prince... Yusupov, who I've mentioned on this show before, because they are known for their part in assassinating the Russian monk and mystic Rasputin. Whoa. <laughs> come, come to dinner. Rasputin's killers are here for. <laughs> <laughs> she woke him up for that. Did they? They didn't get, get a hold of the dick, did they? <laughs> Rasputin's <Yeah>. magic dick. <laughs> Do you have to... Yeah, that's the magic of the dick. They, people can't control themselves around it. <laughs> if you, there was a past episode Dave told us about Rasputin's dick. It actually cured people, so maybe read a book. <laughs> about a dick. <laughs> uh, Lee acted a bit in school, a bit of, a, bit of dabbling in the theatre clubs, that kind of stuff, but he moved around before his father went bankrupt and his mother divorced her second husband, so both Lee and his sister, Zandra, had to get jobs. So he went to France to find work, and during this time he witnessed the execution of Eugene Weedman, who was executed by a guillotine, and this was the last public execution performed in France. And he just happened to be there when it was happening. It's actually guillotine. <laughs> uh, this was 1939. Good year. Good year. I mean, 1939 historically is not a good year. <laughs> yeah. For a couple of reasons. Yeah. It's quite the opposite, yeah. But there was still uh, guillotining people in 1939. Huh. Bad year. Yes. Much more historical. Uh, are you saying it's a bad year because they stopped guillotining people in that year? <laughs> Horrific. This they is the man who's going to catch you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting less and less confident. Uh, Lee's childhood connections to Ian Fleming, Rasputin and witnessing this execution would all come back into his later acting career. He's a method man, as you said. Oh, so that's his childhood, but now it's time to enter the World War II badass part of his life. Uh, when the Second World War broke out, 1939, not a good time, uh, as a 17-year-old, Lee volunteered to fight for the Finnish forces during the Winter War. Uh, he and the other English soldiers were kept away from fighting, so the following year, Lee enlisted in the Royal Air Force, where he worked as an intelligence officer, specialising in decoding German ciphers, because one thing I haven't mentioned is the fact that Lee spoke six languages fluently. That's too many. Including... <laughs> Four more or one less. Yeah. You, so want him you to... get it now. You just want him to forget French or something. Uh, he Who could... needs it? He could speak uh, English, Spanish, French, Italian and German and also knew a fair bit of Russian and Greek. How? I think most of those are basically the same. Buongiorno, 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 they're all... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, he then served time in North Africa, where he was based with the Long Range Desert Group, which was a precursor of the SAS, the Real Badasses. Mm. 
Uh, Lee then moved behind enemy lines from base to base, sabotaging Luftwaffe planes and airfields along the way. He was assigned to the Special Operations Executive, a.k.a. the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Whoa. We've talked about it on the show before. He was there. If that guy wasn't baffled before, the one who's never heard it before, <laughs> didn't realise this is the one that brought them all together. Yes, this is our, that movie at the end of the Marvel movies. <laughs> Well, I mean... All good things <laughs> must end in ass packing. So. <laughs> I will try and tie everything in. Uh, he conducted espionage, sabotage and reconnaissance in occupied Europe. Reconnaissance. <laughs> it would have been way better. <laughs> Here's a montage of him performing espionage and sabotage. <laughs> Just him go. Uh, he's Which one's that? <laughs> espionage? Yeah. Which one's... How do you do sabotage? Now do some reconnaissance. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, he's good. Thank you. Thank you. He has a drama degree. Can you believe it? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I was going to keep this to myself, but that does remind me of what, what I caught out the corner of my eye backstage. I was riding with my <laughs> headphones on. Out the corner Fuck of my you. eye, Dave's look. No, it wasn't you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, there's that as well. Yeah. Um. But Dave, you didn't see it, I think. I don't think Dave saw it. Anyone saw doing? it. He was looking at himself in the mirror. <laughs> he does oh, that a lot. And then, he, and then he, he did this manoeuvre. Oh, I'm not going to try and recreate it. You can... Well, I know a guy who could recreate it, probably. Um, but basically, he did a spin, clapped, and pointed at himself in the mirror. <laughs> he does this a lot. Okay, what you're talking about is the classic turn, pivot, clap, double gun. No, he didn't... He did it for no one but himself. <laughs> he does this all the time. I honestly thought that was going to embarrass him bringing it up, but no. it only emboldened him. He also made up a song backstage about comedy and how he's always doing comedy. Uh, yeah, but it did end with me saying, laugh, you fuckers, laugh, laugh. I swear I'm funny. I swear I'm... I had a breakdown anyway. Um, you got to do what you got to do to get ready. Okay. Um, so he's a spy. I'm trying to tell you he's a spy. Yes. Guess what his nickname was? Oh, spy McSpyington. So close. Spy or Duke, which are both, I mean, especially spy is a terrible nickname for a spy. <laughs> oh, this is spy. I mean, Christopher Lee. <laughs> All right. Or Duke. Duke's a pretty cool nickname. Duke sounds like a guy that would pivot, spin, clap, double Stop gun. Stop trying to get a nickname. Yeah, Duke, shut up. <laughs> yeah, Cobra. Honestly, the last time we were on this stage, I tried to. I told you about the time I tried to get people to call me Cobra, and 13, 13 months later, it has not caught on. Yeah. Earthworm, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh, you fuckers! <laughs> they are, mate, they are. They're nah, laughing at you. Having a good <laughs> Hey, I'll take whatever I can get. Uh, in 1943, he caught malaria six times. One less. <laughs> uh, he had to be hospitalised, but despite this, he continued on with the war effort. 
But because he served with what is essentially the SAS, Lee was pretty tight-lipped about his time in the war. Years later, an interviewer asked him about his time in the SAS and what he did throughout the war. Lee leant forward and said, can you keep a secret? Yes, the interviewer replied, breathless with excitement. Lee replied, so can I. <laughs> what a guy. But do that, do that tight-lipped, though. So can I. Yeah. That's how he would have said it. Uh, so he's, he, he, doesn't, he didn't boast about it, but we know he was a badass because by the end of the war he'd been individually decorated for battlefield bravery by the Czech, Yugoslav, British and Polish governments. Far out. So, yeah. Thanks. I hadn't even counted. Yeah. <laughs> I was just sitting here blissfully unaware. Uh, for the fa- last few months of the war, Lee was given the job of tracking down Nazi war criminals. So he's a Nazi hunter as well. His knowledge of multiple languages was used to interrogate the suspected criminals before handing them over to the authorities. He later said, I've seen many men die right in front of me. So many, in fact, that I've almost become hardened to it. Having seen the worst that human beings can do to each other, the results of torture, mutilation, and seeing someone blown to pieces by a bomb, you develop a kind of shell. But you had to. You had to. Otherwise, we never would have won. Honestly, and that's you. He can't sweat anymore. Just like... Um, <laughs> just like your, your very own prince, um, who you must be all so proud of. What, I don't, what has he done, allegedly? Don't tell me. I want to believe in the monarchy. The Crown, great show. <laughs> it actually is making me feel for Charles. <laughs> Hasn't had that effect on you? <laughs> our future king. You know your queen is our king? No. Um, <laughs> it's a confusing system, but some, it's something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lee retired from the Air Force in 1946, having achieved the rank of flight lieutenant. But after the war, he was offered his old job back. Although, funnily enough, after what he'd been through, an office job wouldn't really cut it anymore. So he decided to become an actor. As you do, exactly. (laughs) Sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, He didn't have a natural talent for acting. His main asset was described by The Guardian as a pleasant, dark, baritone voice. And that's it. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I relate in some ways. Uh, only I have so many more strings in my bow. I can smolder. Stop it, stop it. It's too much. Got to hold some back. Yeah. It's only 5pm. I'm all hot and flustered up there. Yeah, that's my after hours look. You got it before hours. <laughs> <laughs> when do your hours start? Yeah, what are your business it's real hours? Short, <laughs> it's a short period. Um, five to ten minutes each. Wait, what did I say? This is before hours, yeah. Soon. Soon. <laughs> and you'll know. You'll know when it happens. You'll be like, holy shit, he's on the clock. These <laughs> <laughs> next five to ten minutes are going to be amazing. <laughs> So he's not a great actor. He's not. Sadly, at this time. But he studied acting at what was known as the Charm School. But initially... Ah, is that where the three people from Charmed went? (laughs) Would have been better if I could think of one of their names. (laughs) Shannon Doherty. Prissa DeMarco. 
<laughs> Alyssa Milano. There we go. <laughs> and the other one. And the rest. <laughs> I'm so close to walking off this stage. Which way? Maybe just, maybe just way? straight off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's quite far enough? You'd break something, but okay. it wouldn't be enough to... No, you'd be fine. All right. If you land on him, you'll be right. How far to the Thames? <laughs> All Not right. far. Uh, so he... <laughs> he's studying acting, but initially he found himself dismissed by, dismissed by casting directors because he was six foot five and described as imposingly tall. Whoa, that would have been freakishly tall back then. Yeah. In the AFL, like in the... what? Here is this in like the fifties? The ruckman, the tallest player, would have been like five foot ten, and now they're like like ten foot eleven or something. So <laughs> yeah, that's and right. And it's, apparently it's because we're all eating KFC. <laughs> something about that, about the chicken. I'm only talking scientifically. <laughs> I'm really trying to go with you on things here, but um, you know, sass twins and all that. You are making it hard. <laughs> I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a little. Time okay, out. you have a little time out. <laughs> Dave, do go on. So he's too tall. Uh, a film producer saw his. How pretend- tall is he? Six foot five. Well, that would have been massive back then. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll just keep talking. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else needs to be said. Actually, I know an obscure Australian sport. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. <laughs> um, so, but a film producer saw what he thought was his uh, potential early on and quote from Lee, he looked me up and down and concluded that I was just what the industry had been looking for. Lee was then sent to Hungarian film producer Joseph Somlo for a contract who immediately announced that he was much too tall to be an actor. So right, okay. someone says you're great, another person says we can't uh, have you. Lee later said, initially I was told I was too tall to be an actor. That's quite a fatuous remark to make. It's like saying you're too short to play the piano. I thought, right, I'll show you. And he learned the the piano. piano. (laughs) (laughs) You never look back. (laughs) It probably, I mean, you probably can be too short to play the piano. You can't reach it. They'd probably give you a chair. (laughs) Science, huh? Hmm. Is it because there weren't lenses big enough for a tall man or something back then? Couldn't they I mean, just film him sitting down a lot? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, I'm not going to move any closer, though. Oh, come on. I love, yeah, <laughs> lenses weren't tall enough back then. How did they film the Empire State Building? <laughs> Well, they could have filmed this dude from far away. Uh, he, he persisted and eventually in 1947, a couple of years in, he was cast in his first film, a British movie called... <laughs> Matt is finding a chair. Uh, mate, if you're not going to take a seat, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Have you paid? <laughs> you prefer it from the audience. Do we look? Do we look good up here? Do we look good up here? Yeah, pink and blue lights. He said we look hot. Anyway, I came down here to stop talking. 
So I was telling everyone that he got cast in his first film, Corridor of Mirrors, but you're thinking, but he's way too tall. Well, the director got around his height by sitting him at a table. <laughs> hey, hang on, hang on. Ha- have you been here this whole time not uh, believing we're in the room? Is this news to you? She can't not stare at Matt. <laughs> he's been here the whole time. He looks like your brother. Oh, my God! That's so crazy! And you couldn't tell from there. How fucking close do you stand to your brother? Good. Anyway, Dave, do go on. Yeah, half a cider. She gets mean, then. It's weird. If you you get close to me, I look a lot like your mum. I'll stay up here. <laughs> so, first film, guys. He's, got, he's off. He's right. He's got the acting bug. And in the first year, he appeared in eight films. Whoa. He's doing all right. He basically wouldn't slow down for the rest of his life from that point. He continued to play black, uh, background characters for the next ten years into his mid to late 30s. But he considered this time to be his acting apprenticeship because at the time, he had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> Being on set, he watched and listened uh, to the other actors picked up some tips, and then he was finally ready to say nothing. Because his big break was playing Frankenstein's monster in his 40th film. 40th? 40th film. That's a nice number, though. 40th? 40th film in 10 years. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a a good innings. Uh, It was the 1957 film The Curse of Frankenstein. In the film, Lee played Frankenstein's monster, and Peter Cushing played uh, Baron Victor Frankenstein, it was the first film to co-star Lee and Cushing, who would go on to co-star in 20 films together. And this would turn out to be Lee's breakthrough because his role as Frankenstein's monster led him to be count, uh, cast as Count Dracula in the 1958 film Count Dracula. Ah. Oh, I thought he was an actual vampire. <laughs> I'll get to that bit, sir. <laughs> They're a chatty crowd. Yeah, my God. It's weird. <laughs> Uh, this is the Dracula was a role that Lee occupied so well that his portrayal became synonymous with the character's appearance in popular culture. Right. So if you imagine an archetypal Dracula right now, chances are you're imagining Christopher Lee. <laughs> He's just the guy. Uh, he also added what has been described as a dark, brooding sexuality to the character. Oh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Journalist and historian Tim Stanley wrote that, quote, Lee's sens- sensuality was subversive in that it hinted that women might quite like having their neck chewed on by a stud. No. <laughs> I speak for all women. Yeah. No. That's fucking weird. Yeah, don't chew on it. That's gross. All slobbery. <laughs> Get off. What are you doing? Anyway. Well, you'd be surprised to know the film was a real hit and made Lee famous. Uh, he started many other films afterwards and continued to be prolific with his output. In 1965, six years later, he was asked to star in a sequel to Dracula, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. And this film, uh, Dracula is completely silent, with Lee later stating this is because he read the script and hated it so much that he refused to say his line. <laughs> <laughs> Lee later said, quote, I said to the film company Hammer, if you think I'm going to say any of these lines, you're very much mistaken. <laughs> So they just made his character silent. <laughs> uh, screenwriter Jimmy Sangster, who wrote the scripts, disputed this, saying that he didn't want the character to speak at all, later writing that vampires don't chat. So I didn't write any dialogue. They don't chat, they chew. Yeah. 
So, but the film was another hit, and it led to more sequels, many more. All Up Lee starred as Dracula in 11 films, including cameos, uh, seven of which were in the Dracula series. 11. 11. What, that? <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, he starred in 20 Dracula movies. <laughs> Matt, can you come back? Because without you here, I have to listen the whole time. Okay. <laughs> I can't zone out. We're going to pick uh, one member of the crowd to join us on stage. <laughs> uh, how about this guy? All right, come on up. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> That's a really bad idea. Okay. Yeah, that's sick down there. That's real good. Dude, I look like that lady's brother. And it was freaking me out. More the reaction than anything, but um, yeah. So he's a bloodsucker, but it sounds like. No, he's her brother. Okay. He's ginger. You don't have ginger people here. <laughs> apart, obviously, apart from her brothers. Is this your family? The ones with their heads in their hands? Yeah. Extended. All right. So you're not the mum that I look like. No. Okay. 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 It's actually yes, yeah, step step cousin. So. Say again. He does. Yeah. What are the odds that I would have picked hey. that chair? <laughs> There's one there. Could have taken that one there, There's that one, one there. there. Honestly, I think I've started something that's not going to be able to turn around. Uh, we don't believe you, by the way. Prove it. <laughs> Sorry about everything. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I gotta get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Um, so he kept playing Dracula and he played the last character, uh, the last Dracula for the last time 15 years later and he was super over it. Speaking at a press conference to announce the film, Lee said, I'm doing it under protest. I can think of 20 adjectives, fatuous, pointless, absurd. It's not a comedy. 
but it's got a good uh, comic title. I don't see the point. And this is him trying to promote the movie. <laughs> and you I mean, love that word, fatuous. Fatuous. He what, loves it. Do you know it. what I mean? Fatuous. Sounds good, though. Sounds, sounds, sounds positive. lovely. I may be saying it wrong. Mm. Uh, you'll probably be surprised to know that after his ringing endorsement, the film flopped. <laughs> so he didn't have to do it anymore. Uh, during these years, he also starred in tens of other films, having been in 118 movies by 1973. Two more. <laughs> Don't worry, he's going to do a lot more. So 15 years in, he's done nearly 120 films. He played other monsters and villains, including The Mummy, Fu Manchu, and Grigory Rasputin, the man whose killers he'd met as a boy. Oh, my God. Oh. It was all research. It's crazy. How uh, method did he go? Yeah. How magic? Yeah. <laughs> Finish it? <laughs> no, I wasn't. You'll know when you see yeah. it. He had a... Uh... Someone just said regret penis. <laughs> and I don't know how he knew, but... Yeah. Okay. They are, yeah. Someone right. said, someone gave me a show in Australia a few months ago and I said, I couldn't... I, the, the biggest thing I took away from the show was how skinny are Matt's pins? <laughs> That was the biggest thing they took away from the show. They weren't listening at all. They, otherwise, the biggest thing would have been your amazing comedy skills. Hey, you're... <laughs> you were bracing for me to be mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, a good instinct. Your legs actually look a lot like my brother. It's <laughs> <laughs> outrageous. Don't freak out. I've but, got photos. I don't even have a brother. Uh, he also appeared in three Sherlock Holmes films. But he played a different character in each. He played Henry Baskerville in The Hand of the Baskervilles, then Sherlock himself, and then Sherlock's brother, Mycroft. Ah. He actually looked a lot like... (laughs) 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 That took me a sec to get it. Uh, he had auditioned for the part uh, in a film called The Longest Day in 1962, but he was turned down because he did not, quote, look enough like a military man, despite 100% being a military man. <laughs> in, the, in 1970, Lee had a role as the on-screen narrator in Jesse Franco's film Eugenie. He did the film as a favour to the film's producer. What he didn't know was that it was a softcore porn movie. <laughs> I guess he didn't read the full title of the film, which is Eugenie... Dot, 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 the story of her journey into perversion. So we went from bloodsucker to... <laughs> Etc. Um. Uh, in an interview with The Telegraph, he recorded the film. Uh, he said, quote, I had no idea uh, what it was when I agreed to the role. I flew out to Spain for, some, for one day's work playing the part of the narrator. I had to wear a crimson dinner jacket. I mean, there's a telltale sign. There uh, were lots of... Wear. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy, sexy dinnerware. There were lots of people behind me. They all had their clothes on. There didn't seem to be anything peculiar or strange. Later on, he'd totally forgotten about being in the film until a friend asked him about it and said, I think it's a porno. So he went to see it for himself. This is again from the interview. Quote, so I crept along there, heavily disguised in dark glasses and a scarf, and found the cinema, and there was my name. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) He's still six foot five. Oh, who's that? He's wearing a scarf. It couldn't be Christopher Lee. <laughs> he said, I was furious. When I had left Spain that day, everyone behind me had taken their clothes off. <laughs> he didn't know. 
1974, he starred as a villain and the title character, Francisco Scaramanga, aka the man with the golden gun, the James Bond film, based on the book by his step-cousin, Ian Fleming. Fleming had reportedly offered Lee the title role in the first Sean Connery Bond, Dr. No, but it didn't work out. What I read there was that Ian was offering a part that he did not have the right to offer. (laughs) 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 They just cast someone else. Uh, I'm I'm still thinking about this porno. How how do you narrate a porno not not, knowing it's a porno? How soft core was it? And what does that mean? What is soft... Anyway, something I can Google later, but... Something I've always wondered. (laughs) Is that the kind of thing your brother has also... (laughs) Um, He starred as the best... This is... um... Why did I bring her in again? (laughs) He starred... What's your name? Melanie. Melanie. Let's talk later. <laughs> but Melanie is my sister's name. <laughs> Could it be? <laughs> uh, so he's in the Bond movie. He starred as the best and most highly paid assassin in the world, commanding a million dollars per hit. And whilst Lee wasn't quite paid that well in the movie, it was his highest paying film until his later years, getting over £40,000 for his appearance. Despite this, he lamented, the Bonds get the big money and they save on the heavies. Alright, mate. It wasn't enough. The Bonds get the big money. Yeah. Well, you, the in a James Bond film. <laughs> oh, oh, they pay him more. Yeah, no shit, The dickhead. film is called The Man with the Golden Gun and I'm the man with the fucking golden gun. If I don't go on, there's no show. I'm the titular man. <laughs> I do enjoy saying titular. Titular's fun. I love the is word that soft call? Yeah. <laughs> what a fatuous remark. <laughs> Uh, in the 80s, Lee played Charles Henry Sanson, the executioner in France who beheaded over 3,000 people using the guillotine, including King Louis XVI. Again, his younger years of witnessing the guillotine came back to help his acting. It's crazy. Uh, this whole time and throughout the rest of his life, Christopher Lee was supported by his wife, uh, Git. <laughs> I knew he'd enjoy that. Her full name was Birgit. What? <laughs> She's Danish. I was saying Boogit. <laughs> I say nearly everything I think. <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> uh, before meeting Git, He had been engaged to another woman, the Swedish Henrietta von Rosen, who was the daughter of a powerful count in Sweden. He made Lee jump through hoops to get his daughter's hand in marriage. Literally. Yeah. Well, basically. He did a lot of stuff. He asked for references. He sent private investigators to follow Lee around. It was crazy. The final hoop was Lee had to get the permission of the king of Sweden to marry his daughter. (laughs) For many people, this would be a very difficult task. But not for Christopher Lee. Of course, Lee uh, had met the King of Sweden some years earlier whilst filming the Tales of Hands, Christian Andersen, and they were friends, so he was able to receive the blessing, no trouble. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sadly, the marriage did not work out, and Lee went on to marry Danish painter and former model, Birgit 
get Cronky in 1960. They uh, married in 61, had a daughter, Christina, in 63, and stayed together for the rest of his life. What was her surname? Cronker. The prettiest name part of her name. Cronker. <laughs> get Cronker. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I hope she didn't drop the surname. Yeah. I hope she's Git Cronker Lee. <laughs> you got to hyphenate that shit. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to travel Git Cronker Lee. <laughs> That was almost something. <laughs> That's uh, look, the kind of thing I would have said. <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah. That was Much for you. Like, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, Lee, I'm going to stand up for a little bit. Uh, he moved to Hollywood in 1977 for fear of being typecast as villains or monsters in movies. Until this time, he'd mostly appeared in British and European cinema. But once in America, he continued to be prolific and appeared in dozens of films, but he really hit his stride in the year 2000 when he was cast as Saruman in the little old trilogy called The Lord of the Rings. Whoa. Who was he in that? Saruman. What? I don't know why I thought I would know what that meant, but... <laughs> it is guy. funny that uh, this man said 1939, a good year, 2000, silence. <laughs> Say it again. I will not. <laughs> Ali uh, was a Tolkien obsessive, reportedly reading the novels at least once a year throughout his life, and had long dreamt of playing Gandalf. In the 90s, Lee began purposefully auditioning for wizard roles in TV and film just to get some experience <laughs> and some credits. <laughs> he heard they were making the film and he was like, all right, I've got to show them what I got. In I want to get typecast as a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> Smart. In, 19, in 1997, he landed the role... 97 was alright. He landed the role of Wizard Olwen in the uh, critically panned TV series The New Adventures of Robin Hood. He said, quote, The only reason I did that was to show anyone who was watching that I could play a wizard and that I would be ideal casting for The Lord of the Rings. Then the movie was officially announced. Lee even sent director Peter Jackson a photo of himself dressed up as a wizard. <laughs> he didn't attach a letter or anything. It was just a picture. Apparently, he passed it off as a joke. Oh. That's smart. I just mock him, just mock him. No, it is flat. Unless you want me to, then I'm serious. But if not, just mucking around. <laughs> <laughs> but in the year 2000, he was already 78, so he was considered too old and had to settle for Saruman, as the role of Gandalf required uh, horseback riding and way more fighting. Isn't it crazy to be considered too old to be playing a, a wise old wizard? <laughs> Was a cutoff, yeah. What's the cutoff? Gandalf Ford in that film. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds sick. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> We've got a 26-hour flight home. I'm sure you could manage to squeeze them in. Just. Uh, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, of course, Lee's childhood again informed again informed his role. For as a child, he once met the author J.R.R. Tolkien. He was the only person that worked on the film that, that ever met him. He met Tolkien by chance, later describing it. I met him with a group of other people in a pub in Oxford he used to go to called The Eagle and Child, and he didn't waste the opportunity to meet the literary great. He asked him, how do you do? <laughs> Nailed it. What, so when was Tolkien alive? We did a report on him. <laughs> did we? You? I think you did it. I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't do, do it. it. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> Which one of us did it? Matt did it. Did Matt do it? Did I really? Yeah. 
<laughs> I could not have told you that we'd done a topic. We'd Are you sure topic. you're not getting confused? With, I did roll Dahl. Rolled Dahl. Are you sure it wasn't her brother? Did we do it? We wow, did it. Wow, I should listen yeah, back. Yeah, well, it was alive, you know, yeah. It yeah, was, it was alive around, it was alive that, around time. that time. So that makes that checks out, as oh we know. Oh my god, I'm having an existential crisis right now. <laughs> I had no idea. Fuck. Are we okay? No. Uh, his role in Lord of the Rings uh, revived Lee's career and led him to being uh, can, uh, cast as Count Dooku in episode two and three of the Star Wars movies. That's what you're thinking about. Yes, uh, Count Dooku. Of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen those. And I actually remember now, I saw Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a thing about it, but I don't remember Gandalf fighting in it. And I actually didn't see the end, because the end sort of... I was, it was a fake-out after fake-out with that end. Have you seen it? The third one, it felt like it ended, but it hadn't ended. <laughs> and then it felt like it had ended, but it hadn't ended. <laughs> And I said, well, it's ended. <laughs> but I think it kept going. I just left the room. It's still going now. <laughs> uh, starting in the 2000s, Lee also began collaborating with Tim Burton, starring in five of his films. He was knighted in 2009 for his services to drama. So the 2000s was easily his most successful decade and he was in his 80s. Isn't that amazing? He was knighted for his services to drama and he was told he can't act. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> What a legend. This guy's sick. This He's... is the best report we've ever done. <laughs> You'll forget it as soon as we walk through those curtains. <laughs> Who's it about again? <laughs> uh, but in his late 80s and 90s, he added another string to his bow. Heavy metal. Seriously. In 2005, Lee was invited to perform a duet with Fabio Leone, one of the uh, members of the band Rhapsody of Fire, and from there, he was off. In 2010, he released his debut metal album called Charlemagne by the Sword and the Cross. It was a symphonic metal, symphonic metal concept album that tells the story of Charlemagne, the first Holy Roman Emperor and Lee's relative. Again, his background is informing the rest of his that life. That might be one of the nerdiest metal albums ever. Oh, you don't know metal. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it was critically acclaimed and Lee won the Spirit of Metal Award in the Metal Hammer Golden Gods 2010. <laughs> Which we all know, we all know that. His next album, Charlemagne, The Omens of Death, was even heavier. He dropped the symphonic part, it was just metal from this point. The music was arranged by Richie Faulkner, who's associated uh, with, from uh, performing with Judas Priest. <laughs> there you go. He released a couple of Christmas-themed metal EPs. <laughs> And the song, Jingle Hell, <laughs> entered the Hot 100 chart at number 22, making him the oldest living performer to ever enter the music charts. He charted at 91 years, 91 years old. Should we rename him Christmas Lee? <laughs> You'll get that in a future episode. Oh, man. We had a meltdown doing the Patreon read in the uh, hotel yesterday. <laughs> joke for us. And, and uh, I shouldn't have said it out loud, but um, it will make sense funny. soon. It is very funny. Look at this. That was on... Oh. 
being an audio medium, everyone knows that I nailed the thing I did. <laughs> Man, I don't want to interrupt you there, but sadly, all good things oh. must come to an end. But oh. what a life! That's wild. Christopher Lee died on the 7th of June 2015 at the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, less than four miles away from this venue. He passed uh, just a couple of weeks after celebrating his 93rd birthday. His final on-screen role was in the... <laughs> Sorry, he lived three years too long for you, Jess. Or hold on for two more. Ideally, seven more, really. Yeah, ideally, yes, that seven would be more. Good. I want to die on my 100th birthday. That can be arranged. <laughs> Thank you. His final on- Dave's going to kill me. <laughs> How are you going to do it? I hope I don't go with you because I have to survive two more days to, for me to make it to 100. Yeah. Oh, imagine seeing an 100-year-old kill another 100-year-old. <laughs> no, imagine seeing a 99-year-old kill a 100-year-old. Oh, so close. <laughs> uh, he's so we can't, we can't film her and Louise it then? No. Because then you won't make it to 100. Hmm. Matt, you'll have to kill both of us. <laughs> How old will I be? <laughs> Think of a number and double it. <laughs> you, are, you are already too old to play Gandalf. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Uh, Lee's final on-screen role was in The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. They got him back for The Hobbit films. He was, it was his 212th credited film appearance. Fucking hell. Let me... Two less. <laughs> And just to wrap things up, I have a few more fun facts to round out the life of Sir Christopher Lee. What a fantastic life it was. Uh, Lee held the Guinness World Record in 2007 for the most screen credits. At that point, and he made more after this, he had made appearances in 244 films and TV movies. So if I haven't mentioned your favourite Lee film, then I'm sorry, there's just so many. That was basically me stopping tweets. (laughs) Um, actually... Uh, I can't believe you didn't mention that film he did in 1971. (laughs) Uh, so Christopher was a champion fencer. He showed this off on screen. It is a... He appeared in more on-screen sword duels than any other actor in history. What? He even did, as uh, in the Lord of the Rings films, he did some of his own sword work. Oh. No, maybe Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. No, he did. He did some Star Wars. The only stuff they didn't let him do was the uh, stuff from uh, a wide angle. <laughs> I guess it's harder to cheat. Who's the, who's the Lord of the Rings character that's older than Gandalf? Saragon. Saragon. I mean, it's another thing I can look up later, but I can't picture it. You'll look, you'll look it up later and you'll go, oh. oh like that. Yeah, yeah. you'll do Much that. Like. <laughs> uh, but he's not, he wasn't always the best with the sword. In 1955, during the filming of the movie The Dark Avengers, Errol Flynn... Fantastic Australian actor got slightly drunk and in a sword fighting sequence cut Lee's hand so badly that his finger almost came off. Yeah, what? cop that, England. <laughs> Why was he drunk while they were filming? I'm pretty sure he was a raging alcoholic. Uh... The swashbuckling Errol <laughs> Finn, drunk. What? That makes me miss home. <laughs> so he's cut his fing- almost cut Lee's finger off. Following this, Lee struck Flynn's wig off while he was still wearing it. You never strike another man's wig. (laughs) Flynn, the star of the film, locked himself in his trailer and wouldn't come out until Lee told him that it was only an accident. (laughs) Proud to be Australian right now. (laughs) Uh, You 
You've probably heard of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, that thing from a few years ago where any star can uh, be traced back to Kevin Bacon in six steps. Well, in 2008, Guinness World Records declared Christopher Lee is the most connected actor in the world. He was believed to be able to connect to any actor in Hollywood in just two and a half steps. Whoa. What's a half, half, a step? half step? It's called an average, people. Look it up. <laughs> you guys just got school. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, don't kill me. Uh, f- <laughs> Finally, when filming Lord of the Rings, Lee gave the director, Peter Jackson, some very specific advice. Jackson was blocking a scene in which uh, Wormtongue, played by Brad Dourif... Isn't that Dourif. your nickname? Wormtongue? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm Worm Gullet. Uh, in which he stabs Saruman, played by Lee, in the back. Jackson went into a long explanation about how he wanted Lee to react, and Lee just stopped him and said... Have you any idea what kind of noise happens when somebody's stabbed in the back? Because I do. <laughs> That's sick. What a fucking legend. Have you Let- ever watched a man die? <laughs> because I have. Uh- Sit down, Peter. <laughs> Let me act. Lee informed Jackson that it's more of a gasp because, quote, the breath is driven out of your body. Jackson later said Lee proceeded to sort of talk about some very clandestine (laughs) part of World War II. This is still Peter Jackson. He seemed to have expert knowledge of exactly the sort of noise that they make, so I just didn't push the subject any further. (laughs) Again, his early years in the war had informed his acting. What a guy, Sir Christopher Lee! Give it up for Dave Warnicky, everybody. Sick. Yeah. No wonder 18 people uh, suggest that, including Jake Knight or what? <laughs> Close? Adam. Adam Knight. Was it Knight though? No. Oh. Yes? No. We don't have to keep pointing at you, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's your pin number? No, don't worry about it. Um... <laughs> it's pin, not pin number. The N is already doing the work for the number, Jess. You just made a fool of yourself in front of all these people. I've been supporting you this whole time. And I, that was ironic what I just did. <laughs> well, we've had some times tonight. That does bring us to the end of the episode. But Christopher Lee, what a crazy, crazy laugh. Insane. Well done. Great report, Dave. Thank Great you. report, Dave. Round of applause for David Warnerkey. Thank you. Thank you. Big round of applause for Adam Knight at the back. Yeah. Across Melanie down the front, my sister. My we got real life cousin is here as well, Isabel. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, Alessandra on sound, thank you so much. Yes. Mark Chatterley, who uh, actually helped, he made this all possible, he brought us over here. Yeah. So big round of applause big for Mark. Pro- we love you, Mark. But thank you so much. Give yourselves a big round of applause. It's so cool to have you here. Thank you so, so much, London. And until next time, I'll say thank you and goodbye. And there you have it. Recorded live in London. Again, thanks to everyone for coming out and supporting us on the UK tour. It was truly the best time of our lives. It is Dave here, by the way. The one, not the one that looks like uh, that girl's brother. That's Matt. Um, the one that looks like her 
mother, I think I was talking about in the episode. But yeah, thanks so much for uh, listening to the episode. Now, you may know that this show is supported by the good people at patreon.com slash pod. the people that support the show through Patreon. And if you would like to become a patron of, or, or patron, as we sometimes say, of our podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash pod right now and pledge to support the show every single month. And we put out two bonus episodes every month. We're going to be putting out a couple from the UK tour that no one else will hear. will be coming up soon. In January, I imagine we'll be having our annual Do Go On Awards coming up, the Golden Shiny Gary Awards. This will be our third annual one. So yeah, we we put out one uh, bonus report every month and then one other fun variety show. So sometimes it's a quiz, uh, sometimes we have a chat, sometimes people send us questions, and sometimes we create a whole new show just for that week. So that's a lot of fun. You can uh, listen to the those episodes and also support the show through Patreon and also join the Facebook group uh, where we, uh, you know, people talk about the show which is a lot of fun in there it's taken on a life of its own we don't really need to do anything in there anymore there's so many people talking um that yeah it's become its own little thing a few people have uh, become friends through that which is really really nice and also uh, we give shout outs to people but before we do that we have to go through the fact quote or question which has a theme song that i will attempt fact quote or question ding There it is. And this is the uh, part of the show where people that support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Rest in Peace Deluxe Package level, which is the premium tier on Patreon, they get to uh, write in with a fact, quote, or question and also give themselves a title, which is nice. And um, this week, Sam Cross is our first entrant with the fact, quote, or question. Thank you so much, Sam, who has given themselves the name The Great and Almost Magical Red Sam Cross. Wow, what a title. I absolutely love it. Now, uh, you get to give a fact, quote, or question, and just reading slightly ahead here, as I'm doing a mat and haven't read it in advance, Sam's given us a fact, but also a question, two in one. Appreciate that, Sam. You are not wasting your time here on the platform. Fact and a question. Uh, The question or fact starts with, the inventor of the Frisbee was cremated, and and his ashes were made into a Frisbee after he died. Wow. Sam's question is, what would you get your ashes made into? Oh, my goodness. I know you can make, get them made into diamond rings. You know, they say those things sort of last forever. Is it weird to say a pie? Yeah, that's weird. Someone would eat the pie. I obviously love pies, but I don't want anyone eating my ashes. I'm not sure. What about a, a lovely pot that you could put a, a beautiful tree in in that way? Because sometimes people put, uh, they get cremated and then they become the tree. But then... Trees often die, especially in a cemetery or whatever. You know, you plant the tree in the ashes and then they live for 10 more years. But if you're a pot, and hear me out, like a beautiful ceramic pot, that could last centuries and you could just keep replacing the plant when it died. Was that a satisfying answer, Sam? Was it either pick pie if you want to go with a weird one, pot if you want to go with an off-track sincere one. Thank you so much, Sam. The great and, and almost magical red. And one more fact, quote a question of this week is Michael DeRizzi, who probably doesn't need a title because that's such a great name, but Michael DeRizzi says his uh, title is the unofficial, sorry, official, unofficial homie of Patrick Mahomes, brackets, he's the star quarterback of my favorite NFL team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, so the official unofficial homie of Patrick Mahomes from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I love it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael DeRizzi. 
I've been thinking about picking an NFL team. I picked the uh, an NBA team a couple of years ago. I picked the New Orleans Pelicans as a bit of a joke because I thought their mascot was the silliest one that they had available. And now they um, had the number one draft pick with uh, Zion. People are talking about how they, in a couple of years, might actually be a great team. So I got on board at the right time. But just know that I, I'm not a bandwagoner. I got on when they were not doing very well. And um, Anthony Davis was the only... Good player there, and I thought the team was the funniest one. But anyway, Kansas City Chiefs, that's a pretty good one, but is that the silliest NFL team? What's the silliest one? I really like the uh, the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders logo, because he has an eye patch, which I think is quite cool. But maybe tweet me at Dave Warnke, what's the silliest NFL team? I'll pick one. I will pick one. Anyway, Michael DeRizzi, the official unofficial homie of Patrick Mahomes, has also given us a fact, and it is about his beloved home state of Kansas. Thank you so much for writing in. Kansas, my home state, is home to the world's largest ball of twine. If that's not exciting enough, no, it is. It is. It's 7,974,454 feet of twine rolled into a big ball. That is amazing. Wow. And a little addendum here from Michael. P.S. I understand why Kansas doesn't get much attention. It's because it's a boring fucking place. No, that's not true at all. You get the shout-out in The Wizard of Oz. No other state gets that. Uh, thank you, Michael DeRizzi. Do you have the world's largest cat to play with that giant ball? If not, many cats will be crushed. Appreciate your support, uh, Sam and Michael DeRizzi. Now, it's time to move on to the other section of the Patreon read at the end of the show where we uh, shout out to six people that support the show through Patreon. And we usually play a game here where we assign them a title or a name or, or something like that. And I, what I've got here is, because uh, we talked about the great Christopher Lee there in his 250-plus uh, movie and TV roles, I've brought up his uh, Wikipedia page for Christopher Lee's filmography for his TV and uh, film characters. I'm going to scroll through this and at random give you a, give you a Christopher Lee character name because there are some incredible ones here. Some in uh, incredible names here. So thank you so much. First of all, from uh, let me shout out to from Boston, Massachusetts. Did I say it right, Massachusetts? What does Matt say, Massachusetts? Anyway, Massachusetts. I've nailed that right. First go, Eric Stenark. Eric Stenark. Thank you so much for supporting the show over in Boston, Eric. And uh, your official Christopher Lee character, and pre- pretending this is some sort of a random character generator, you are the character Phil- Philippe Darvis. Philippe Darvis from the 1967 film Theatre of Death, a British horror film. Well, there you go. Philippe Darvis. That was his 87th film role. What a guy. Uh, thank you so much to our Philippe Darvis, Eric Stenark. I would also like to thank from Northern Ireland in Londonderry, Chris Morin. Chris Morin. Thank you so much for supporting the show, Chris. Let me uh, give you your random character. Oh, wow. You are Baron Von Storb. Baron Von Storb, who's from The Devil's Agent, 1962 film. Co-production between Britain, West Germany, and the Republic of Ireland. There you go. Based on a novel by Hans Habe. Fantastic. The Devil's Agent, Baron von Storb, a.k.a. Chris Moran. I would like to thank now a person who needs only one name. They are from Lower Hutt in New Zealand, and that is Mel. Thank you so much for your support, Mel, the one and only. We know the Mel. We know the right one. Uh, Skipping forward here. I am going to give you the nickname of 
Commandant Alexandre Nikolovich Rakov. What, a, what an amazing name. Which is a 1994 comedy movie called... Oh, it's from Police Academy Mission to Moscow. There you go, from 1994, one of the sequels. The seventh and final film, and most critically acclaimed in the Police Academy films, the one that killed the series that no one thought would die. 1994, Commandant Alexandre Nikolovich Rakov. Incredible names. Incredible names here. Uh, thanks, Mel. I would also like to thank from York in North Yorkshire, not far from Leeds where we were a couple of weeks ago now, Johnny Ollis. Johnny Ollis, maybe you're at the show. Thank you so much for your support. I would like to give you your random character. Let's go through here. Count Ludwig Karnstein. Count Ludwig Karnstein from Terra in the Crypt, a 1964 Italian-Spanish horror film, also called Crypt of the Vampire and Crypt of Horror. Count Ludwig Karnstein. Fantastic. Love those names. Uh, thank you so much from uh, North Yorkshire, Johnny Ollis. We would like to thank now from London, England, where this episode was recorded. Maybe you were there, Larissa Murray. Thank you so much, Larissa Murray, for your support of the show. And let's give you a nickname now. How about Prince Baldazar? Prince Baldazar from the 1981 film The Salamander. 1981 thriller film directed by Peter Zinner. Fantastic. From The Salamander, Prince Baldazar, Larissa Murray. And finally, another Englishman now from Liverpool in England. I would like to shout out and thank Matthew Doyle. Matthew Doyle. Thank you so much for your support of the show, Matthew Doyle. Let's bring it home strong here. Let's um, find a fantastic name. Well, he did a lot of people with titles. I will tell you that. From A Tale of Two Cities which I imagine is an adaptation of the Charles Dickens. It is 1958 movie Marquis St. Evermond. Marquis St. Evermond. I've just seen another one here. Resurrection Joe. Which one do you want? They're both good. That's from Corridors of Blood, 1958 film. Two movies he did that year. Two very different characters, I imagine. Marquis St. Evermond or Resurrection Joe. Take your pick there. Matthew Doyle, thank you so much for supporting the show. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Do Go On. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode, which Australian time is going to come out on Christmas Day. So uh, maybe you don't celebrate Christmas or you're going on a big drive or perhaps you just uh, need something to put on after the terror that is the exhaustion that is a uh, Christmas lunch. The terror. (laughs) I mean, how much pudding can you eat? Uh, so we'll, you can put that on next week on Christmas Day but until then thank you so much for listening to the show and I will say a goodbye this podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates I mean if you want it's, it's up to you 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.